Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I believe God has something real good for us today. It's all in His time and what He's doing. And I'm, I'm hoping that this morning we'll all connect with Him and be more spirit sensitive. What I mean is like, um, you ever talk to somebody and um, you're there, maybe you're getting information, but you're not connecting with the person. And uh, my hope is that we'll not only connect with the message of what God's saying in this hour, but the person that's saying it. I don't mean me. I'm talking about the person of the Holy Spirit who's speaking, that we connect with Him and uh, we're able to hear from Him. So um, I just want to pray. This is such a this is such a important season. You know, um, it looks like it's not, and it looks like God's not doing very much right now in the earth. It's like we're waiting for God to do something. And I just want to tell you, God's doing something amazing right now and so important right now. And there's a real work where God's, where God's connecting with His people. And He's speaking to us and he's drawing us very close to that place of communion with him, where we're hearing him. I was noticing um, just in our little prayer meetings how how things are like there's a transition happening and God's speaking in a different way there in our prayer meetings. And I'm beginning to recognize how um, there's, there's something just very uh, different coming forth. God moved in certain things. He did certain things and he's going to do those things again, but it might be in a completely different way. So anyway, I just want to encourage you, stay connected with God right now. It's so important that you stay connected and that you're hearing God. Um, you know, we have a tendency to, to live up here, right? And to live in our feelings and to live in the thoughts that come to us, telling us what to do. We can be driven by our thoughts that become so intensely. But when you've got that communion going on, and you're walking with God, you bring your mind into subjection to the Spirit of God, and to peace, and to that something on the inside of you that's just knowing where to be, how to walk, right? And when you're doing that, that keeps you in place. Amen. That keeps you in place with God. You end up, you know, you're not going in front of God, not, not lagging behind. You're right where God wants you to be. And I want to encourage all of you today. God wants you to connect with that knowledge so that you can understand I'm right where God wants me to be. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're not where God wants you to be, you might be somewhere where your minds told you you needed to be, where your emotions told you you've needed to be. But I'm telling you, deep on the inside, when you're walking in that communion, God brings you right into that alignment. Praise God. Well, I want to share with you today from Psalm 31. I'll start out here. Uh, we'll look in verse 14. If you'll go there with me, and uh, I just want to encourage you to get into the Word with me. I'm hoping you're getting into the Word all throughout the week. 
I believe this is something that's on God's heart. Um, you getting into the Word has a whole lot to do with how much God's going to be inspiring you throughout the week. We need to be in prayer, but we need to be in that Word. You know, Jesus wasn't born with the Word of God in his brain. Uh, he had to grow up. He had to get the Word of God in him. If you remember, when he was young, he was in the temple, and he, it, he was actually asking questions and talking, and, and, and the, the teachers... Uh, if you look at what the original language is communicating, it's like the teachers that were there in the in the temple were like amazed at his ability to put two and two together, that to put the, to, to understand and in his insights, even when he was young. And you see, um, God wants to do that in us too. We've got to spend time with Him. We've got to get that word on the inside of us. And you see, Jesus, when he's young, getting the word of God on the inside of him. I believe his mom and dad were doing that. But even when he's young, he's hungering for God and he's in there learning, learning the word of God, right? He's going to church. So many people don't think they need to bring their children to church or they'll go, well, we'll put our children. Where do you want to go to church? Oh, I want to go to the one with the play, big playground, right? Um, God wants his children to be fed the word of God. Amen? Amen. There's nothing wrong with having fun, but I'm telling you, the Word of God is what's going to make the difference in the children when they grow up. And uh, anyway, you look at Jesus, he's getting that Word in him. And what happens when he's tempted by the devil in the wilderness? He gives him the Word of God. And where did that Word come from? He just knew it? No. He planted the Word of God in his heart. He was planting the Word in his heart. And the Word of God is what came out of him in his day of temptation. I want to encourage you, you need the Word of God in your life, needs to be planted in your heart, needs to be planted in your mind, and that Word is going to work in you, that Word's going to speak to you, and that Word's going to bubble out of you when you need it, amen? So get into the Word of God with me this morning. Amen. All right. Okay, so here we are in Psalm 31. Verses 14 and 15, and then we're going to read some, I believe, a little, a little later than that. But he says this here, But as for me, O Lord, I trust in you. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. My times are in your hand. Deliver me. From the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. How great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide those that trust in you in the secret place of your presence from the plots of men. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord 
for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I said in my anxiety, I said in the middle of my trial, oh, I'm cut off from your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard my supplication when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you saints, because the Lord preserves the faithful and he repays the proud person. Be of good courage because the Lord will strengthen your heart, all you who put your hope in God. Amen? Now this verse has some really powerful things in it. I love some things that are being communicated here. First of all, he says, my times are in his hand, right? So when he says my times, what's he saying there? He's recognizing his life is, um, a life, it's, it's full of seasons. My times, what I'm going through right now, God, you might not be making this person do that. You might not be making this person do that, but my time is in your hands. What I'm going through right now, in, in, no matter what craziness is happening, God, my time, my season, it's in your hand. Not only this one I'm going through, but the ones that are to come. My times, he says, plural, are in your hand. God is con in control, amen? Now, this obviously, this guy's saying this in the middle of a difficult situation. He's in the middle of a trial. And so you realize God allows you to go through really, really difficult, intense trials. But in the middle of that, you have to know it's in God's hands. God's in control. God's got this covered, amen, no matter where you are. He's going to be faithful to bring you through that trial and into the next season that God has for you, amen? So he's in the middle of this situation and he's going, wait a minute, my times are in God's hands, right? Now, he says this too there. How great is your goodness, which is laid up. What does laid up mean? Okay, it's talking about something that's in store, right? Something's laid up. And it's talking about something that's already there. This is, this is amazing. Think about this. In his season of trial, he says, God, even with what I'm going through, I know you're going to preserve me, right? But he's also saying, and I thank you, there are times that are laid up for me in the future of what? Of your goodness. In other words, he, realized, he realizes God has a season of blessing for him in the future. And it's already laid up. It's already prepared. God's already been to your future. I don't understand how God does that. 
that he's seen the future just as clearly as he sees today. He sees tomorrow just as clearly as he can see today. That's beyond my understanding. I, don't, I can't figure out how that works out. That God's not finite. He understands everything. And he's already worked out something for you and for the faithful ones, those that will not let go of God, those that will hold on to God in their difficult season, those that recognize what they're going through is just a season, those that put their hope in God, he goes, I have a season of goodness laid up for you already. Amen? Look at that. How great is your goodness, which is laid up for those who feared you, which has been prepared. What does prepared mean? That means planned, thought through, right? Um, it's been something uniquely and specially made. It's been prepared for you. Goodness, something of goodness that's been prepared for you. And this man is going, I'm in the middle of difficulty, but I realize God is going to bring me through this because I trust in him. My time, in his, is, my time is in his hands. And he's also able to say, and not only that, but I know how God works. And I know he's got other times in front of me, set times, times where he is going to bless me. Amen. And I just want to encourage you in this. God works in times and seasons. There are certain seasons that are necessary for you to go through to be able to get to the other seasons. There are seasons of difficulty that you must go through to be able to get to the season of blessings that God has for you. Amen? And you have to go through them and not get weary and keep trusting and keep holding on to God and holding on to the promises and keep believing in God, right? Sometimes you get to feel pretty bad. This man goes, you know what? In the middle, in my haste, man, it happened. And out of my mouth, I just said it so fast. Oh, I'm in despair. I'm cut off. I'm not going to make it. And he goes, even though I messed up, I, I shook myself. And you still listened to me and you came through for me. Amen. Man, I just love this. You know, David one time says, if I had not put my trust in God, if I had not recognized and had hope that I was going to see what the goodness of God in the land of the living. He is saying, I'm in the middle of the trial. But if I didn't realize that there was another season coming, another day coming, that God has my seasons in his hand, no matter what I do, no matter what I try, if I will just hold on to God. I, this season will come to an end and God will bring me into the season He has already laid up and prepared for me. It is coming my way. That's why David goes, no matter what I'm going through, I have hope that I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, in the middle of my deepest trial, in the time when I don't understand anything that's going on. God's already predestined, already assigned times of blessing for my life. Amen. All I have to do is stay faithful to God. Keep trusting in God. Rise up when I fall down. Put my faith and trust in Him when I don't feel like it. You see, all you have to do, just stay the course. 
God has determined that the course of just following Him is going to lead you to a place of blessing. Don't let go. Don't stop following. Don't stop holding on to God in the middle of your trial. Because where you are right now, you have to go through that to get to where you're going. Because if you don't go through the times of difficulty, you will not be prepared and ready for your time of God's blessing and goodness for your life. Amen? God's times of difficulty are the very things that prepare you for God's times of blessing. And you've got to do things God's way. Amen? God, James talks about God's trials doing good to those who are trained by them. In other words, how do you get trained in a trial? Allowing your faith to take control when you don't feel like it. You say, I'm going to believe no matter how I feel. I'm going to obey no matter how I feel. I'm going to do what God says. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to live in victory. I'm not going to live in defeat. Living in defeat will never do you any good. Sometime like this man, in your haste, just like that, you speak a word, you said something, you had an attitude before you considered it. But then you shake yourself and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, I thank you, you'll forgive me for that. But now God strengthened me. It's amazing how many times I've been, I have been there and I felt that way. It's like you get knocked down off your horse, so to speak. God, why'd that happen? Disappointments happen. Setbacks happen. Time and time again. Sometimes it's like a season of them. I remember one time, I, had, I mean, it was like a season. I'm talking many years. I'd have a group of people coming to the church. I don't mean, when I say a group, I mean like, you know, a clump, or like five clumps of people or whatever come. And they'd all have the craziest problems similar to each other. And, I, and then I'd deal with all of them and then they'd go. And then there'd be another situation of people. And I'm going, God, this is the craziest season. One thing after the other, after the other, right? And I began to realize these things are just happening for preparation. You see what I'm saying? God is training us. God builds us because of things to come. If you don't learn what you're, through what you're going through, you're not going to be able to go to where you're going. But all you have to do, listen to this, all you have to do is to keep rising up in the middle of your trials. And I'll tell you something else that I have learned along the way that I'll share with you. And hopefully if you're young in the Lord, you, you won't take so long to learn this lesson. When you get hit, when you feel bad like this guy did, when he yelled out, I'm cut off before your eyes. When you feel that way, just immediately know, you know what? This is just normal. This is how you feel when you get hit. And, and I just know by my faith, it's going to be okay. I'm going to rise up. My faith is going to be strengthened. And I'm not going to feel like this even in a few minutes because I already recognize that I have the victory. And when I meditate on that, boom, I rise right up out of that old feeling. Amen. It won't take long to happen at all once you begin to realize I've got the victory. And then later you begin to think differently, feel differently. This man was in his same situation where he said, Oh, I'm cut off. Oh, God's not with me. He's in the same situation. Things haven't changed, but he, he's changed. And he's going, oh, God, my times are in your hand. 
When this season's ready to be over, it's going to be over. And what does he say in there? You preserve your faithful ones. You're going to see me through what I'm going through. You are a faithful God, and you're going to bring me to that next season that you've already got in store for me. Amen? I'll just tell you this. God will bless those who are willing to go through the trials and trust in God. Everybody's going to go through trials in life. But the difference in the believer is he does it God's way. He trusts in God. He's rising up in hope. He doesn't get off course. He doesn't start doing things his own way apart from the Word of God, apart from faith, apart from his conscience, apart from his relationship with God. He keeps that intact. And God looks at that and he goes, that's how I make you in a trial. You see, you've got junk on the inside of you. And when you go through a trial, it all starts to come out. You think you'd, you'd never be tempted to do this or that, but when you're in that trial... You think, oh, maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to run over here. Maybe I need to go do this. And the thoughts might come. And then you go, no, I'm staying the course with God. If I die, I'm staying the course with God. You see what I'm saying? And something gets formed on the inside of you that's strong. You change in your trials. James even said, you should count it all joy when you face trials because that's what makes you. That's what makes you solid. That's what gets that fear out of you. That's what gets that doubt out of you. You'll never have to face those things if you don't go through trials. And it's possible to go through trials and not change though, because you always yield to them. And God says, no, stand strong. All it takes is for you to put your confidence in me, put your trust in me, put your hope in me and watch what I'll do. Amen. Amen. Then he says this at the end of that verse, after, after going through everything, he's already, he's already got his victory. His, his circumstances haven't changed, but this man, he's living the life of victory in the middle of his trial. And he's telling everybody else now, be of courage, be strong, and he's going to strengthen your heart. I like that. You, you know, I, I like the way he says that. He goes, be of good courage, and then he'll strengthen your heart. He doesn't say he'll strengthen your heart and then you can be courageous. You have to make a decision. You're going to be courageous when you don't feel like it. I'm going to rise up when you don't feel like it. Do you understand? He says, be of good courage and then God will strengthen your heart. You see, when you're down at the lowest, you don't feel like it. Sometimes you, just, you need to rise up and you might not, feel like it still, but you say, God, help me. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to be strong. I'm not backing up. No matter how bad you feel, God says, take courage and I'll strengthen you. Look at that. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. So what's he, what's he going to do here? We saw this. He's going to preserve you. He's going to strengthen you in the middle of whatever you ever go through. And he's going to bring you safely through that into the place of promise, the place that he's got prepared a blessing for you. Those seasons of refreshing, blessing, outpouring, they are coming. Amen. 
Do you not realize that there is goodness for you that God has already apportioned for you? You might not see how is it going to happen? How could it ever happen? How could I ever be blessed like that? I feel like this is always there. I feel like these things are in the way. God's like, all you have to do is stay connected with me. I am the way. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way. He's the way to get where you're going. And God says, stay connected with me. This season won't be forever. It's not going to be forever. Whenever we're in a season, it feels like it'll never change. But look back at your life. You've already been through so many seasons that are over. When they went over, sometimes we didn't even realize they were over. You remember your high school graduation, right? Did you ever think at that moment, this is all over? It's over. Maybe it didn't hit you right then, but think about it now. It's all over. You know what I'm saying? And other little things like that, everything changes. That's going to happen again. Where you're going to look back and go, you remember? How everything changed. Everything's in seasons. God has your seasons in His hand. Just say that, say that to yourself. God has my season in His hand. My seasons. That's really a powerful, powerful thought. So, Along with this man, I just I want to encourage you to not give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't give in to the lies that say your life will always be this, that, that. You just have to walk through going, I don't know why. I don't understand why. You don't need to know why. Do you know that? You don't need to know why every time. And did you know sometimes... God, and many times God will give you a promise or you'll begin to be inspired about something and then it looks like negative things are happening. You're going, this isn't working out the way I think. Why, why is it like this? Why is it like that? And God just leaves you in the dark. You know why he does that? Because faith grows the best in the dark. He speaks in the light, but then he leaves you in a situation where all you've got is that word in your faith. Circumstances are negative. You don't understand where you're going. You don't understand what God's doing. You don't understand why things worked out this way. Why did things work out that way? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? You know what? I'm not even saying God's even made those things happen, but I'm just saying God's bigger than those things. You understand what I mean? God's able to just... Take whatever and do whatever with it. Amen? Sometimes in that moment of not understanding, that's when God does His greatest things, but we don't even see it. As later, we'll go back and we'll look back and we'll go, oh, that's what God was doing. That's what, how God wanted me to respond. Why did I stay so beaten down so so long? That was so unnecessary. Why didn't I rejoice? And if I had just known, if I had just realized that was just going to be like that, I would have rejoiced so much more, right? Jesus says this in John 13, 7. Make sure you write it down or you go there and look at it. Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but afterwards you will. 
Man, how many times I've thought about that verse and just thought, you know what? You don't have to understand what you're going through right now. But afterward, you will. After you walk through it, you will. Because God's using this time for you to have to walk by faith. Trust God. Choose to do right when it's not necessarily the, the thing that your, that your rationale would tell you to do, right? You're having to walk through this season and do what God wants you to do. So um, I just I want to encourage you in that. Don't give up. Put your hope in God. You're in a season. And I know the church world is in a season right now. God just works in seasons. There's something so wonderful happening. I can see the beginnings of something new already beginning to happen. I don't know. I don't even know how it's going to end up. I don't understand that. But all I know is we have to walk by faith. Amen? That God has, just like God's got seasons laid up for you, and all you have to do, you be faithful, just rejoice right in the middle of your trial, just like this man did. You just keep rejoicing. You just keep thanking God because I guarantee you, if you do that, God is going to be in charge of your season to come. You understand what I'm saying? You know, sometimes we can look at ourselves and go, but I don't have this, but I don't have that. But this is why this, that's why this, I just want to just stop you right there in that kind of thinking. And I want to just tell you, God's bigger than all of that. Yes, you might need to change. Yes, you, you, God, but God, that's what God's doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's going to fix all that if you just stay close to him. Do you need some sandpaper to rub some edges off? God will put you in a situation where sister sandpaper is beside you, right? And you'll get your rough edges. Maybe that's what's happening to you. I'm just saying, if you just stay with God and keep holding on to God, what God's put, the dream, the vision, the whatever God's put on the inside of you, it will come to pass. God will bring it to you. Amen. Are y'all with me? God also has set times laid up, prepared for His church, for His people. Moves of God. And I would say those seasons when it looks like God's not doing anything, when it looks like the church is going backwards and has no power, yes, maybe there's some guilt for that in the church. I, I actually definitely believe that. But when it looks like it's going backwards, although we may be guilty, although some of that's, a lot of that's true. Look at the bigger picture. God's doing something and he will even use that time to cause the church to be prepared to go into where he's going. He allows times of pruning backing up but i want you to understand god has made a decision jesus says this in matthew 16 18 he goes i'm going to build my church there's nothing else that i can think of god ever said he's going to build i'm going to build my church 
and the gates of hell, the authority, the powers of hell will not overcome it. You see, you need to have an understanding in your mind. That's where everything's going. Jesus is the architect of the church. He's the builder of the church. He's the one that makes it happen. He's got a plan in his mind. Things may look chaotic. It looks like the church is going to make it. It looks like the church has no power. Is that the vision that Jesus had? No. Jesus, from the beginning, saw a glorious church. A church filled with His presence. A church filled with His power. A church that shows forth the praises of God in the earth. A church that's a light in the midst of great darkness that's so bright. That's what Jesus had in mind. And I guarantee you, season by season, whether we're going forward or whether we're in a time of difficulty and trial and it looks like we're going backwards, Jesus is working out His ultimate plan for the church and we are going to end up where God has um, planned for us to be. We are going to see the glory that God has determined. And I guarantee you this, if there's a season where it looks like it's a season of difficulty, of turmoil, of, of pruning or whatever, it is only part of the process and it is necessary to get us from where we are to where we're going. Amen? God has to do certain things like that in certain seasons. But that's what, that's what God's going to do. There's this verse in Psalm 102, 13. Now, when the Bible talks about Zion in the Old Testament, most theologians believe uh, that refers to the people of God and it refers to um, the, the New Testament church as well. So it's the people of God in the Old Testament and it translates to talking, referring to the church when it uses the word Zion. So, Psalm 102, 13. For you will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? So, what are you saying here? There's a set time. What is a set time? A time that's been laid up, like the other verse says, right? It's already there in front of us. It's set, but we're not there yet. As of, you know, what, uh, 10.30 today, we're not there. Maybe 11 o'clock, it will be. But I'm just saying, we're on that, we're, we're there and God has something set we're coming into. Do y'all see that? For those that have been walking with God for a while, can you back up and look, look throughout history and recognize we are on this kind of continuum of, of God's work where something started and this and, you know, whether than being confused. Now, can you look back and begin to recognize a little bit of what God's been doing in the whole process and where he's taking us? And do, are you getting excited because you recognize there are set times in front of us? There are set appointed times that we are going to come into. And there are times of what? God's favor. What the other guy call it? God's goodness. Times of goodness. This man says times of favor. Now we have favor with God, but we grow in favor. And I don't want to get into all of that message today. But 
There are times when God demonstrates that and He pours out His favor, His goodness, His blessing. And what happens when that happens to the church? Man, the anointing of God is poured out. The presence of God is poured out in the church. People are changed so much more easily. The the sensing of what God's doing is so much more clear. The things of God begin to flow so much better. People begin to come running to the house of God because God is there. They're experiencing God. People that have been sort of, you know, prodigals, half with God, half out, half in the world, half in the church, you know, roaming around, you know, not really pursuing God in what they're doing, right? Not really putting God first. People who are confused, all of a sudden, when God pours out, boom, things begin to change. Things begin to change. But I want to explain this right here. I used to wonder, God, why don't you always just do that? Why don't you just always go from one place of glory to the next? Now, a lot of people will explain and say, well, it's because people haven't prayed enough. It's because we, and I understand that, and there's probably a whole lot of truth in that, but I think that there are other factors. One thing I would say is to go to new levels of glory and promotion, you're going to have to go through new levels of God dealing with you. Because if God were to pour out His power in something that doesn't represent Him or in something that is not prepared, it could not contain what God's got. And even the outpouring of glory would actually do damage instead of doing good. That's a crazy thought. But I'll tell you this, if God were to pour out His Spirit for the next amazing move of God that's going to come before time, it would mess the church up instead of help. And that's why He's got to have vessels that have gone through the fire, vessels that have been prepared in the church. The leaders need to be prepared. And the the elders and those that are going to be helping form what's going to come. They have to be prepared. Otherwise, what God does will end up being a negative. That sounds like a crazy thing. But I thought through it quite a lot recently. And I don't want to get into all of my thoughts, but I'll just share a couple of examples, one or two. One, you see this a little bit in this wineskin example Jesus gave, right? He goes, look, if the new comes to the old, it breaks it, right? And you, and you lose it. What he says is, if you put new wine in the old wineskin, what happens? Two things. You lose the wine. Oh, wine? Doesn't that refer to the Holy Spirit and the move of God? Yes. You lose the wine. You, you lose what God poured out. And second thing, the wineskin tears. What's the wineskin? The vessels. You see, the vessels aren't ready for what God's going to do. If there's flesh, if there's insecurity, if there's wanting praise of man. You you understand what I'm saying? There's a certain level of that that can function in the church world. I I, I mean, that's just true. All pastors aren't free of pride. Did y'all know that? I just shocked everybody. 
All pastors aren't free from those things, right? But I can tell you this. When a certain level of glory comes, if, if there's not a new level of excavation that has happened in that person, they won't be able to be up under the weight of that glory that comes. It'll mess them up. Do y'all see what I'm saying? It'll mess up the church world. And God's getting ready to pour out. God's getting ready to pour out. It's, it, and he, He's preparing vessels right now. I remember... I remember 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I've been saved a long time. I'm an old fella. I remember the level of intensity in the prayer meetings. You know, we, and I'm getting back to that point where people are like, oh, we hadn't prayed enough. Maybe that's why people aren't in the prayer meetings. You know what? And it's true. Prayer, but God's doing, God's doing an amazing something in those that are sticking. And you know what? As the breakthrough is beginning to happen, I can just see it. I was sensing something the other day, and then Elvita said exactly what I was saying. I said, I'm not going to say that. And I'm going, you see, God's beginning to confirm everything. Anyway, so um, years ago, there would be such an intensity in the prayer meetings. People were praying for the glory of God to fall, the power of God to come, for salvation uh, of men. I mean, at the prayer meetings would be glorious. People would come to the prayer meeting. I mean, some, I mean, this sounds crazy, right? The prayer meetings would be packed. We have a lot of people, they'd want to, they wouldn't want to miss out on what God was doing. And you'd sense God in the prayers. And you might go, why didn't God answer those prayers? Why'd we go backwards? I want to just tell you, I'm very convinced God did answer those prayers. And that's why it looks like we've gone backwards. Do you understand? Now, most of y'all weren't around in the prayer meetings 34 years ago. But I can tell you, there was a lot of praying going on in the churches. A lot of praying in a lot of places. A lot of praying, right? God heard those prayers and that's why, that's why it looks like things have gone backwards. God is doing a big work so that he can finish answering that prayer. The first part of answering that prayer of pouring out his spirit is, okay, well, I've got to prepare a vessel, a church that can contain what I'm going to pour out. And you see what I'm saying? What we're going through right now is because of the prayers of the generation before us. They prayed so hard. You see, they were holding on to God. What the church is going through right now is because of that. Because God's going to bring forth a place of glory and there's going to be a move of God, I believe, bigger than any of us have ever seen. I'm so encouraged about that. It's going to happen. So... Now, there are a lot of examples of this kind of stuff that happened in Scripture. Um, I thought I'd just, you know, the, the need uh, to be prepared, you know, what God's doing. I thought I'd just highlight a couple. One of them is with King Saul. He's actually one that the way the Scriptures show the story, um, it's actually giving us an illustration, right? And what happens with King Saul is, well, you know, the people go, God, give us a king. Well, it wasn't God's will. He goes, it's not my will. 
But you know what? I'm going to let you have it. And so they end up with King Saul. King Saul hasn't been prepared. He hasn't been through a time of trial. There's no kind of preparation that we ever see him going through, right? And he, the anointing is upon him. He's called of God, but he never had a wilderness season in his life that we know of. And here he is. And then he gets in this situation in his life where God says, okay, wait, wait right there. So he, he and his army were there, this small group of men. Now, Saul was very courageous in the flesh. So he's there with his group of men, and there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of others, enemy that's there. And so Saul waits. God says, you're supposed to wait until Samuel comes. It's going to be seven days. Well, I don't know what happened to Samuel, you know, uh, maybe Samuel was washing his dishes, you know. We don't, you know, don't know what happened. Maybe Samuel's family culture, you always, you know, you show up fashionably late about an hour or two. And, hey, I'm on time. You, it's seven o'clock and you said six, isn't right? I'm on time. So anyway, so Saul was supposed to wait, but then God took longer than it was supposed to. And what does he do? He messes up. And it's so bad because right then Samuel goes, I can't believe you did that. You just messed up everything. Not only did Saul mess up his own life, but the anointing and the presence of God began to diminish. Not only on Saul, but on all of Israel. They began to have more troubles. They began to lose more battles. And it began to flow down from there. Do you see what I'm saying? And you see, when you've got a leadership that's not ready, it doesn't just affect them. This doesn't sound fair, but it's just how it happens. When leadership's not ready, it affects the whole body of Christ, you see. Anyway, um, that began to pull everything down. And you see, Saul began to change where he'd been trying to trust God and, and let me back up here. Why is, is this happening? I say it's because Saul never went through his wilderness season. He never learned how to trust in God when it looked like everything's going to fall apart. And he just goes, but I'm going to trust in you, God, and then see God come through. You see what I'm saying? He hadn't had those experiences. And so now he's given this weight of responsibility and he can't handle it. So what does he end up doing? Now that God's not with him, he starts to use his own strength, his own wit. His, he begins to manipulate people. He begins to get into self-preservation. His ministry begins to be all about image. It's all about image now. It's about man's kingdom. It's about impressing other people. It's about position and you having a position in his kingdom, in his place, right? He would even pay people you know, to, to be faithful. So that's the way it began. And, and, he, and you, if you look in there, he begins to be obsessed with impressing people. He's like, hey, Samuel, can you just make me look good right here? Because this is going to look bad. You know, it's just, it's amazing what he does. And I, I have to say this right here, okay? Because our, our culture is image-driven. Do y'all know that? We're very image-driven. 
The commercials are image-driven. Everything's image-driven. You need to be this. And uh, church, church is image-driven. You see what I'm saying today? And I'll just say, anytime ministry begins to be image-driven, it's going to begin to lose that which they had. It won't be there too much longer. It will begin to be corrupted, and things will begin to creep in that will bring that down. But remember, when that happens, either God will restore that and bring it the, the new out of it, or God's going to look somewhere else. Yeah, you, amen? God's looking for what when Saul messed up? He knew Saul wasn't going to turn back around and Saul ended up becoming more corrupt. I believe there's many people, God's tried to pull them in, but they're so addicted to their success, they can't let go of it. You know, one of the greatest tests of leadership is you've been willing to let go of everything God's given you. If you're not willing to let go of everything, you're going to become corrupt. Saul wasn't willing to let go of it. In that day of waiting, Saul wasn't able to go, God, I let go of everything. It looks like I'm losing everything. I don't understand. And there we are again in a time when we don't understand. God, you said seven days. I'm here and you said also don't do it. Well, I've waited seven days, but now I'm going to do the other thing. Because I don't understand what's going on. I'm going to do it my way. You do it your way, you're going to mess up. Anyway, as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking of some situations. That make me shudder, right? Uh, when I see anointed preachers, anointed of God in a hype environment, it's all hype around them. I recognize the anointing. I can see the gift of God, but I see that hype environment. I shudder because I'm going, the environment right there is a bad environment for that gift. It just makes it so easy to, to uh, not do things God's way. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? When you got everybody, all men praising you, praising your gift, praising your anointing, it's such an environment for you not to do well in as a minister. There's one thing to be encouraged because we all need that. I can tell you that, right? That you're hearing God, that you're on point, that God's flowing through you. But you, there's a fine line between that and somebody getting puffed up and having an image they need to present before everybody. That's a dangerous place to be. I don't ever want to be in a place like that. When I see image-driven ministry, I shudder. I just go, hmm, that's a setup, right? When I see men begin to manipulate and control, and I have seen this too many times, to hold things together. You know, Jesus, Jesus says, I believe it's Psalm 127, if the Lord doesn't build the house, forget about it. What is your building? That's not worth anything. Right. Your 10,000, that's, that's worth nothing. You understand what I'm saying? If the Lord isn't the one doing the building, right. I don't want to build something. I want God to build something through me. Do you understand the difference? I don't need to feel like I need to build anything. I just need to be faithful. You know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3? He said, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? We're nobodies. 
We're just vessels that God builds through. God's the one that does what he does. We're just faithful to do, you know, to work. <laughs> but we've recognized something. They're not trusting us and they're not look to us lest we become discouraged or lest we become prideful. You know, two different temptations. When things aren't going good, get discouraged. When things are going great, you get prideful. Both of those are wrong. You see? Because God's in charge of your seasons. God's in charge of our seasons. There are seasons of decrease. There are seasons of increase. There are seasons of difficulty and there are seasons of outpouring. Amen? God has our seasons in His hands. God has the church's seasons in His hands. He's got a plan and I guarantee you God's going to have a church before He returns that's glorious. It's going to have the presence of God. It's going to demonstrate what He had intended from the very beginning. People are going to see God. They're going to see the pure. They're going to see what God wants. It, he's going to, and I'm, you know, right now, you know what people flock to? The production, the external excellence, the this and the that. And the, I'm not saying those things are wrong, but I'm just saying God's like, I got to deal with that because that should never be the primary thing. Amen. God's dealing with men and women. And I will tell you, there's going, there are new vessels. There are new groups. There are new things that God's going to be doing. They're being prepared right now for what God has coming up. Amen. God's working right now. Think about David. He's a man, contrary to Saul, David went through the wilderness. God calls him. He anoints him. The gift is working in him. You know when, when David killed the lion and the bear? That's not normal. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are other children that love the Lord that didn't go run, kill a lion and a bear. David, what made you do that? Courage. Understanding that? But it was also the gift of God in his life. Do you see that? It's the call of God because one day he was going to be killing giants. God was training him in what he was going through. So the anointing is there. The call, Samuel, I mean, he, he let him know, you're the one. And when he's a young boy, the call's there. The anointing is there. The gift begins to work. He begins to flow at new levels of worship. He's, he's prophetic. God, because And it didn't just happen, but God did it. But he said, I chose him because his heart was right. That's what the Bible says. His heart had a part in that, right? But he was young. And I tell you again, too many people put their children up somewhere. They teach them to learn the Word of God. <laughs> anyway, so he's got all this going. He's got increase. And guess what? Before God brings him into what he's got for him, what does he do? What does God do for David? What does he allow to happen? A season, a time of intense trial. You read David's trial and it's just crazy. The level of intensity that's there. It looks like God's not with him. How can he be called and, and, and anointed and he's supposed to be the one, but he's off there, just 
barely making it, almost was killed various times. I mean, he, he's so distraught, he's acting like a crazy man sometimes, you know, so that people, so he won't get in trouble. Right? Why does God do that to him? Not because he didn't love him. Not because, uh, you know, hey, he's under a curse. No, it was a time and a season. God didn't force Saul to do what he did, but he used it. Are y'all with me? And what David had to go through, why did he have to go through that level? Because he, God was going to bring him to a great level of anointing, usefulness, purpose. It would have crushed him had he not gone through the trial that brought the right things he needed on the inside of him so that at the right time, God could bless him. You see, and why was it so intense? Because the level of your call and where you're going has everything to do with the level of your trials that you're going to have to go through because God has to prepare you according to where you're going. Amen? And one thing I just love, you remember how Saul took things into his own hands? One thing you learn in the wilderness, one thing you learn in your trials is to, is to put it in God's hands and not compromise. I just, I just love this. Saul did what he did because that's, that'll get me success. That's what he thought. David's in this situation and Saul is the one trying to kill him. He, Saul is right there. David and his men are in this cave. And by the way, Jewish tradition, this is so interesting. If y'all know the story of the cave, it says that um, a spider, after they got there, a spider right then built a web in that part of the cave. So they were behind the spider's web. I don't know if that's true or not. It's Jewish tradition. But um, for some reason, Saul didn't see all these, these hundreds of men in the back of that cave. And there he was going to the bathroom. He went into the cave to find a private place and there are hundreds of people watching him go to the bathroom, right? He, with the door open, so to speak. And the guys are going, David, God did this. God brought him here for you to kill him. You're justified in it. He's been trying to kill you. There's, there's, I mean, can you not see what's the matter with you, David? But David didn't do it. He goes, I can't touch that. God doesn't want me to get it. Listen to this. David could have had success his way. You know what would have happened? We don't know exactly, but there would have probably been a moment of success for David. Saul would have been out of the way. People maybe would, I don't know. Maybe David would have become king, but because of shortchanging the God's process and not going through the season, he would not have developed something in him. And guess what happened when he did that? He has a whole bunch of men who are watching him do what he did, live the way he lived, make the decisions that he made. Uh, he didn't realize this, but when he made that decision, and people are watching this, and they would have made another decision, and then they end up seeing the result, his decision actually became an influence for their hearts too. Do y'all see what I mean? And I would say this too. 
For this next generation that hasn't been through the level of trials that the past generation has, you're going to enter into the blessing that they've entered into. That's an amazing thing. But anyway, so David got, he went through all his trials. Why? Because of the season of goodness God had in store for that man. Amen. God has something in mind. He's preparing us. It's a set time. There's something greater to come. I guarantee it. It's according to God's plan for His church that He had from the beginning. And God has a better season for you. If you're going through a time of difficulty right now, I just want to say, just like this man said, be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. And begin to declare, my times are in God's hands God's going to see me out. He's going to preserve me. That's what he said. He'll preserve me when I go through difficult times. He'll preserve me when situations come against me, when men come against me. He'll preserve me and he'll be faithful to bring me into those good times that he's already got laid up and prepared for me. They're already there. It just has to take the passage of time and me walking with God to get there. That's for you. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we want to thank you, Lord God, for your set time. We thank you, Lord God. You've got times of blessing in front of us, times of increase, times of goodness, times of favor, times of refreshing, times, Lord God, when what has been prayed for, not just by us, but even the generation before us prayed for it to happen. God, you are answering those prayers now. What we're going through, just like you're, what David went through, it was actually to bring about what you said was going to happen. God, what's happening now is to bring about your intention so that we might end up where you want us to be, doing what you've called us to do, bringing glory to you. Father, we thank you that even right now you're working behind the scenes, bringing things together. You're already preparing things for that set time to come. You're bringing things together. Lord, it's going to be pre-made, so to speak. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Lord, our hope and our encouragement is in you. We thank you, Lord God. We're at peace every day in the middle of where we are because we know there are amazing seasons happening. They're coming our way in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you. I already see some people coming out into the new things that God has for them. I've seen the seasons of God already change. And I would just say, it's, we're in a season of this thing happening. I'll just read this one other verse really quickly before we go. It's the verse I already read. This, the time of favor, yes, the set time has come. The person seeing that saw that prophetically. Hey, it's, it's happening. It's starting to happen. And I would just say, I just see a set time beginning to happen. Some kind of appointed time. When's the fullness of that going to happen? I don't know, but things are changing. Amen. God's doing something new. Connect with God. Realign yourself. Put God at the forefront and be encouraged. Amen.